The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. My name is Pastor Robert Litzenberger, and I hate the screen. And if you would look at me, when we were in the song service, I was going like this. No, not exactly. It took me a while to get used to the screen, like 30 years. But um, a lot of things have changed, and um, I don't want to give you a little bit of history of my life, because it's not worth it, uh, but... Um, I remember one thing uh, Pastor Smith said about when he came here, and this is by memory now, so if I'm wrong, just stand up and go like this. But um, he said that he had to reduce his sermon to 30 minutes, and he tried to get the church to get used to the 45-minute uh, sermon, and it took a while. Is that true? Okay. <laughs> and uh, I'm here to tell you that uh, I don't preach 45-minute sermons, and I'll try to get you down to... 30 or 35. Now, usually somebody says amen to that, <laughs> but, um, uh, but that really is a humorous uh, story. I'm really um, embarrassed, too, and it's the first time I've been embarrassed, um, well, not the first time, but uh, that uh, I think, Pastor, you're building me up too much. And uh, thanks, appreciate it. But um, it's, um, my story is not a great story. I don't want to bore you with my history. Uh, but I was saved at the age of 13. Someone led me to the Lord on the street in Wilkesbury, Pennsylvania. Came from a very poor family. And um, I uh, made it through school and then high school and so forth. And um, because of a pastor that uh, led me aside and tried to build me up in those years, he, he was uh, from the Welsh Congregational Church. And... Uh, he was the only Bible preacher in the avenue that I could see. And he, um, he had his heart with the kids. And I really appreciate that. And if I would do something wrong, he was tall, had a big finger like this. And he would say, Litzenberger, 
don't do that again. And so I didn't. And it was um, men like that that built me up. I went to Bible school on just nothing. Uh, when I went there, uh, they said, now you're going to have to uh, pay some money down. I said, I know that. And uh, they said, you have to get your books too. Do you have money for your books? I said, no, I don't. So that was kind of an interesting thing. They tried to get me calmly to say, you've got to pay part of your, uh, your rent or whatever they call it. And uh, you have to um, buy things here, like books and notes that the professors put out. And I said, well, I have a little money, and can I just get a few of the uh, notes that the professors put out? Well, we, they tried to let me know that that's not the way things go, but they let me go. And uh, the Lord brought things in and brought things in. And I had my first semester paid, then my second semester paid, then my third semester paid, then my fourth semester paid. And on and on it was from people, some people I didn't even know. And I'll just leave you with this one story, and I'm really not a storyteller, but um, there was a time that it was hard. And I didn't have the right uh, amount of money to pay. And so they said, we're going to send you up to the vice president, who was the treasurer. And I said, okay, I've met him before. And so uh, I went up there, and he, um, he had a psychology class. And you know what these psychology people do, they don't talk to you face to face. They swivel the big chair around and look out the window. <laughs> no, that's right, and that's what he said. He said, uh, you having a rough time? I... <laughs> and it was short, and the chair was tall. And I was wondering, who, you know, who's behind there? But it was quite interesting. I said, uh, I have troubles. And so he said, well, we'll pray for you. And, uh, but you have tomorrow noon. And so, okay, thank you. And so I didn't know what to really do, so I prayed. And that's a good thing when you don't know what to do. Pray. And so tomorrow came, and I ate a breakfast and went to class, one or two classes. And then it was noon, and I said, well, I'm going down to the luncheon, the lunch, the cafeteria, and I'm going to get my lunch. And if they want to bill me for it, let them. I guess that wasn't a bad, uh, a good attitude. And so... I went there and ate lunch, and then I went out to my job in the afternoon, Monday through Friday, five hours. 
at the Friends of Israel. And I was the one that proofread and did other types of things. And as I was going, walking through the subway in central Philadelphia, the Lord gripped my heart and said to me, go back to your mailbox. And so I went back to my mailbox. And in there was a little boat. Someone in the accounting office made this boat. And on that boat was a sail, and all that and on that sail is your ship has come in. So I take this little boat and run over to the accounting office and I said, Is this for me? And she smiled. She was wonderful. She said, it's for you. And she said, you owe this amount of money. It was over $1,000. And she said, someone sent a check-in for the exact amount that you owe. And it came in this morning. And so you can stay. And I was thankful for that. And then I went through there and then went through um, training in in Kansas City and youth evangelism. And then I went through um, the United States Air Force. That was really strange for a Christian. I wanted to serve the Lord. And after a year of training in Youth for Christ in Kansas City, Back then, it was okay. And uh, there I was, and I didn't know what to really do. But I prayed, and the Lord says, United States Air Force. And I went in the Air Force. And I went through training, all that training, and I was rather heavy at that point. And you know, they had these drills, they had these big ropes over the creeks, and you had to kind of get on the rope and try to make it over the creek. And that rope was wet because other heavy, they called us Frosty Fred Commandos. Because there was a Frosty Fred place on the, on the base. And so I would fall in, and he'd say, get up. I would fall in, and he'd say, get up. Well, to make a story longer, I, I wanted to mention that I made it through, and uh, sent me, they sent me then to Illinois. And I started my training, and uh, after that training... They said, you have uh, two weeks or three weeks to to get ready because you're going to ship out and uh, across the sea and uh, work out there. And so three days before that, uh, these people with bars came in and said, 
you're not going to train. You are going to stay here because the United States Air Force wants you. It was a time where Air Force instructors were hard to get, and so they took college graduates as well. And so I was there for the rest of my term, four years, and uh, went through some evangelism and done all, all the other things and witnessed it. I witnessed and I preached in this church and preached in that church and just had a good time growing up. And um, so that's, that's really it. Now I know that you didn't come to hear my biography. Uh, so, let's get at the book. I want you to turn to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. In Romans chapter 1, Paul has a tremendous heart for what I'm about to say. And all these years passed, and believers have, not all believers, but believers lost that heart. And what that heart is, we're going to call it readiness. Readiness. And I want you to look at chapter 1 of Romans Verse 14 will begin. Paul said, I am debtor, both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise, so as much as in me is. I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome. He backs it up by saying, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. Now that's the first thing I want you to see. He was ready to preach the gospel and he did it through the power of God. Not his own power, but the power of God. Now we're going to see in this particular study, we're going to see these things happening that I'll show you as much time as I have. And that is this. Have you noticed what the Bible said in direction? In direction. Uh, what I mean is this. You know that verse that says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, what does that mean? Direction. Here we're going. For the wages of sin is death. And there's a lot of them out there going that way. 
For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord, and you're no longer going in that direction. You are now, when you're saved, you are going in this direction. Now, I don't know much about anatomy, but I do know that when your body goes this way, there's a front and there's a back. Now, this is anatomy <laughs> one one. And when you turn around, when you turn around, what happens? There are two changes. The first change is this. You no longer are going this way. You are going this way. And you need to understand that in the Christian walk, the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, like in witnessing, it's the same thing. Uh, you, when God wants you to go out witnessing, you don't go in your own power. And that's what Paul was doing, and we'll be looking at a little bit more of this. But verse 17 in Romans chapter 1, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. So you're saved. Wages of sin, death, you turn around, and there's no more wages of sin is death because you turned around and you're saved and the Lord Jesus Christ now wants you to go this way. But the gift of God, have you ever heard that verse? How many have ever heard that verse? Okay, thank you. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The gift of God is not a school. The gift of God is not a person. The gift of God is not these things that we are rather caught up with. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, I want you to look at 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4. 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4. Well, we can start with verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand. You see, there's the declaration of the gospel, then there's the fruit of the gospel, which also you have received, and wherein ye stand. By which, verse 2, also you are saved, if you keep in memory what I preach unto you, unless ye believe in vain, for I deliver unto you, first of all, that which I received, also received how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. 
Now, 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4, that's the gospel. That's the gospel. And I don't know where all this stuff is coming from that they call the gospel. But I'll tell you, there's a lot out there that's tweaking everybody's mind. So Paul is interested in that. Readiness. Paul said, I am ready. As for me, I'm ready. Now let me tell you about the word ready. And that's the title of this sermon, readiness. The word readiness in the Greek is prothemos. I had a couple of years in Greek. Is that right? Did I say that right? You prothemos. These are different words for grace, or for readiness, rather. Readiness in the Bible can mean willingness to adjust. Are you hard-headed? Are you hard-hearted? Do you try to get around the things that God promised you, but you don't quite care for them? Readiness to adjust. Then there's the interested, about to begin. You're interested and you're about to begin. You are ready. Then there's preparedness. Things having been finished and now you're prepared. And the last thing with the same word is this. Forward pressing passion. A living word. When I was saved at the age of 13, I saw life. I saw life here. I saw life there. I saw life. You can go, I mean, every, every church, uh, not every church, but every believing church, they were on like every corner. And now, look at us now. It's like the sun kind of went down over the mountain. And there's not much... There's not much readiness now. You know, you can look at life itself and you, you have to be ready. You have to be ready for things. Um, when we were married, and then we started to have a family, and we have ended up with 15 grandkids and six kids, well, did you ever try to, and I pastored most of those years, and try to get ready for church with kids? I mean, that is fun. And especially a pastor blowing into the office, we made it. And I want to tell you something, though, about this. When it comes to readiness, sometimes it's hard. We had small kids, and we had everybody dressed and ready, and my wife is a whiz at that. Everybody ready except one kid didn't have one sock. 
and she had to have a sock. And where was it? And where was it? And my wife says, you got to go. And I said, I know we got to go, but we got to find this. We can't have Rita walk down, you know, the aisle with just one sock and one shoe. It can't be done. And so I said, Lord, this is not a prayer that is in a prayer book. I said, Lord, I need a sock. And I guess there are plenty of people in, <laughs> in my churches that said, yeah, you really do. <laughs> but anyway, I really prayed at the front door, just a few minutes left, and I looked inside a vase. You know what a vase is? A vase is something that holds something when you have an income of over of under a hundred thousand dollars a vase you can have the same vase but if you're making over a hundred dollars you say it's a vase so I skipped that part a long time ago, and I said, okay, vase. And I said, this is crazy. She couldn't put that in a vase. But you don't know Rita like we know Rita. And there was this sock. And let's go. Now, we should have been ready. We should have been ready. And when you have a lot of kids and so forth, and you're uh, busy in, in, in ministry and sometimes radio and the whole thing, you, you just, uh, you, I don't know what, but something kind of snaps. And you need, and you need things, and you pray hard, and the Lord answers prayer. We weren't ready. We weren't ready. We weren't ready. We weren't ready for this, ready for that. School people, high school people, are you ready for school? Grade school people, are you ready for school tomorrow? You have schools around here? Okay, now, readiness, readiness in the military. Readiness, readiness. I was an aircraft and missile electronic uh, instructor. And uh, it was a little scary after your training, your intense training. You had to go over the same thing over and over and over and over and over again. And I wonder, why are they doing this to us? We had this thing last week and the week before. But do you ever realize that when you're a military instructor and you give out very important information about electronics or whatever you're doing. You give that out to maybe, in a year, 150 airmen. So if you make a mistake, and they go across the world with this mistake, knowing 
knowing that or thinking that this was all right. You can just imagine the damage. And sometimes we see people that say, well, the NIV is okay. The NIRB is okay. And a hundred others is okay. No, it's not. There's only one, and that is, of course, the one I have here. I'll let you guess. Anyway, now, readiness. A jet aircraft. These jet aircraft, and I've been near them, and they, they kind of scare me. I mean, they're huge, and they're powerful. But you know something? If you go up to one of those planes, and if you were allowed in it, and that plane isn't moving, it's quiet. And it's dead. It's quiet. And it's dead. And there's no life in it. You say, well, they can come in and start it up, and then there's life. That's right. But when they're, on, when they're up there and they haven't started a thing, and that's quiet, that's a quiet jet. I talked with a, a super salesman years ago. I was in one of his classes. And uh, he, he said that he had this big international thing he had to go through. And he got to the airport and so forth and wanted to, wanted to hop this plane to where it is. And we didn't know where, where he was going. And uh, he didn't know what to do and so forth and so on. So what he did was he sat down. He asked them for permission to get in the plane while they were just working on it. And they said yes. And he told us there in that class, there is nothing as quiet as a dead jet. Nothing. And so... The aircraft, no life, and no passion, no life, and no desire. And look what we're up against. Many, many years ago, many churches, basically one translation, many, many good things happened. The music was not worldly. And now we're coming into churches, the worldly beat, the worldly this, and, and uh, they're getting people in, of course, but it's wrong. You say, well, I know where he stands. But let me tell you something. I just mused a little bit about churches and denominations and and fundamental churches and their groups through the years and uh, this or that 
I made sure I was in a fundamental group. But what's happened? I got my start in the IFCA and loved it. They were men of God. They were men of the book. Loved it. And then there were a lot of churches. And then, little bit by little bit, splits and splits. And the GRBC splits and splits. And this and that. And they split and they split and they split. Now, I wonder, is my time up? Okay. The passion is not there. It just isn't. And sitting in a church and opening up a Bible and listening to the choir and say, that's passion enough for me. The passion isn't there. It just isn't. Now, I'm not talking about everyone, but it's just not. There. And so we find Xavier of China and William Carey and William Booth and Hudson Taylor and those men that were men of passion. They were men of the living word. And so the question is now here's where I start my message. In what measure has this church the readiness like that today. In what measure? Is there adjustment? Is there interest? Is there preparation? And these are not enough. They're fine, but they're not enough. Now, I'm going to go all the way down to my last point. And that is this. How can that change? How can that change? Take your Bibles and change to Ezekiel 37.3, please. Ezekiel 37.3. Ezekiel 37, 3. Are you there yet? I, I have a big Bible, so it takes me to... Verse 1, the hand of the Lord was upon me. And carried me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of a valley which was full of dry bones. And caused me to pass by them round about. And behold, there were very many in the open valley. And lo, they were very dry. Now picture yourself about this vision. Picture them walking around all of these dead bones in the valley here. This is the vision of the valley of dry bones. And uh, every one, of course, was dead. And he said unto me, Son of man, 
And this is a wonderful question. Can these bones, can these bones live? And I answered, oh Lord God, thou knowest. Now that's a great answer. Again he said unto me, prophesy and preach unto these bones and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Then saith the Lord God unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter unto you, and ye shall live, and I will lay sinnows upon you, and will bring up flesh upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and ye shall live. And ye shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise. And behold, a shaking. And the bones came together, bones through his bone. <laughs> I bet he was, uh, well, anyway. Uh, verse verse 8, And when I beheld, lo, the sinews and flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them above, but there was no breath in them. Then said he uh, unto, unto me, Prophesy unto the wind, Prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, Thus saith the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slaves, they slain that I may live. So I prophesied as I commanded, as he commanded me, and the breath came unto into him, and they lived and stood up upon their feet, an exceeding great army. If I'm asked to come back, you'll get the other half. But can you imagine that? That's Today, bones, dry bones, only the breath of God can change that. And it's an individual choice. God will never make you do anything. Heavenly Father, oh, Lord, speak to our hearts. Speak to our lives so that we're ready. Help us, Lord. Only the Spirit of God in us can help us. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Ronan Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Ronert Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www.bebaptist.org.